The China and Africa podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Africa-China Reporting Project at Witt University in Johannesburg. The ACRP promotes balanced, considered reporting on Africa-China relations through innovative training programs held throughout the year. More information at africachinareporting.co.za. Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden, a senior China-Africa researcher at the South African Institute of International Affairs in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. Kobus, I am so excited about today's show. I've been looking forward to this show for weeks since you told me that we're going to have an author on the program who's actually not an academic or a journalist. And for the first time in nine years of you and I recording this show, we are going to be talking about fiction. Now, we've talked about the China-Africa narrative being discussed in movies uh, quite a bit, especially with uh, Operation Red Dawn, Wolf Warrior. These are these Chinese movies, which in many ways are shaping the Chinese perception of the China-Africa relationship, not always for the better. Uh, but we've never talked about it in fiction and in novels. And so today we're, go we're really, really, I'm just so giddy of excitement to be able to talk about this because in some ways this is another way to manifest this very, very complex relationship. And we can look into characters in ways that we can't do in nonfiction. In nonfiction, we're bound by ideology, narrative, theory, uh, politics, economics, all of these kind of hard realities. And in fiction, all of that goes away. Yes, it's very exciting, and it's you know it, it, it allows um, us to look at the relationship from an emotional level, which is which is sometimes that we you know sometimes something that we don't actually get to to look at very often. Um, I think it also gives us a chance to think about the people involved in the China-Africa relationship. Um, and that then, of course, raises a lot of very interesting issues about how, how different characters are represented. Um, and I think it's particularly apt and interesting that the novel that we're going to be discussing today is from Africa and from the perspective of an African author, which, uh, which I think is, is very refreshing. Well, that author joins us on the line, our first guest from Maryland in the eastern United States. Mukuka Chipanta is joining us. He's also an aerospace engineer, so aerospace engineer and novelist on the same business card. Mukuka, very good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Good evening to you. I'm happy to be we, here. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Let me kind of set up your book. Now, your book came out in 2016, so... It's a couple of years old. We've just discovered it now, even though we should have seen it a long time ago, I will admit. Uh, very excited to come across it. Uh, it was. It's a casualty of power is the name, published by Weaver Press in Zimbabwe. Uh, it's won a number of different awards. It's on various reading lists for universities uh, in Zambia. And uh, winner of the Best Book Award at the Classic American Literary Awards. Um, so let me kind of set up your story a little bit, and then we can dive into kind of how you came about these characters and what motivated you to write about uh, the Zambia-China relationship in the way that you did. And for close listeners of our program, you'll recognize some of the themes that Mukuka is talking about in this book. So A Casualty of Power is the story of Hamunga Moya, who's a Zambian college student wrongfully accused of stealing precious contraband owned by a powerful political couple. He is unjustly incarcerated for the crime, and when he's finally released, he moves back to his hometown to start a new life as a laborer 
in a Chinese-owned copper mine. This, of course, being Zambia and the copper belt, that is very, very common. Now, when he, he goes to work at the mine, he the character starts to kind of play out the dynamic that exists between African workers and their Chinese supervisors who are simmering over wages and unsafe working conditions. And then later on, there's a tipping point when a horrific accident sparks a bloody riot. So a casualty of power highlights the often uneasy relationship that exists between Africans, politicians, and a new wave of Chinese immigrants. So, Makuka, there's the, the kind of outline of the story. Why don't you take it from there and tell us what motivated you to write this story and how you, did you develop the characters the way you did? Right, thank you. That's a, a really good uh, summary of the, of the novel. And um, I'm very happy to be here, as I said before. So, um, as you mentioned, I'm from Zambia and I grew up in Zambia and specifically I grew up on the Copper Belt province, which is the mining province in Zambia. And, and copper mining, if you know anything about Zambia, is, is really the heart and soul of everything in Zambia. And uh, I grew up at a time in the uh, late 80s and uh, 90s, early 90s, uh, when I could remember how the mines, the copper mining industry used to be, and a lot of the privileges and a lot of the benefits, hospitals, schools, uh, roads, and all of these things that amenities that existed at the time. And I, w I grew up at a time when I saw started to see a lot of these things slowly start to ebb away um, as the industry changed and ultimately uh, foreign powers came in and, and uh, took over these um, uh, mining companies. So uh, this, this story is very personal to me and I, and I saw a lot of these changes and I saw the effect on families and uh, as I as I grew up and later moved on to university abroad in, in, in England and the U.S., I and in my working life as an aerospace engineer, I've interacted with a, 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 a varying array of people, a uh, varying array of, of Chinese people as well. And I've also traveled to China as well and I've gotten to know the other side of the coin, the other perspective um, of what is happening in Zambia and those people that have uh, come into uh, not only Zambia, the continent. Um, and, and, and so this was, a, this was a story I felt I needed to write and I was best placed to write it. it I wanted to check with you. It, it seemed to me, um, you know, reading the book, that, uh, that some of the, the key incidents are based on... on uh, you know, very much discussed controversial incidents in Zambia, particularly of conflict, violent conflict between uh, Chinese mine owners um, and managers and African workers. Were did you um, did you figure, like base some of the incidents on some of these these uh, historical incident uh, historical events? And how do you go about turning them into fiction? Okay, that's a that's a really good question, and. Um, there are varying styles in writing fiction, and um, one of the things that I enjoy about fiction and what I enjoy reading is when I see the, the lines blurred between really what is a make-believe and a, a what is reality, when you can't really 
tell between the two. So I, I tried to use that technique in writing my, my novel. So I did use a number of actual historical events and then weaved in a fictional tale in there. And uh, so, so, so that's part of the magic of the story. Yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, for someone like us who follows these things very closely, I had flashbacks to the 2012 Column Mine Riots where a Chinese manager was killed uh, by Zambian workers, uh, accidentally actually at the time, but there was a protest over wages. And so it brings back these tensions that have existed in the China-Zambia relationship for quite some time. Uh, I think it would be great for us to, before we go much further into the, the background of the story, if you could maybe pick a couple paragraphs uh, from the story and, and maybe read them for us. Sure. Um, I think uh, what I can do is I can read uh, just the opening two paragraphs in the novel. And uh, just, just to set the stage, um, what I try to do here is really try to throw you into the midst, midst of, a, of a heated situation. And then from there... Um, the book kind of uh, tries to unravel what happened or how we got to this particular situation. So I'll begin here. Chapter one, A Son of the Earth. Chishimba Mine, Copperbell Province, Zambia, October 2011. The crowd of African mine workers advanced in a clamoring wave past the guard post. The three wiry, baton-wielding security guards manning the gate were suddenly engulfed by an angry mob, swinging their batons in a desperate attempt to defend themselves. The guards were flung forcefully against the wire fence. Observing the melee at a distance, Jinan and the four Chinese supervisors fled back into their tiny office and locked the door behind them. They could hear the shouting of the angry mob outside. Over 300 African mine workers were yelling and chanting their voices. They had reached fever pitch. So right there at the beginning, that's the beginning of the story. And I, I try to just throw you in there um, in this heated situation, in this heated scenario. And then, as I said, as the book goes on, it tries to explain how we got here and and. and what led to these tensions. So Hamunga is your Zambian protagonist, and the, the voice of the book is really written from his point of view. And then Jinan is your Chinese, almost it feels like the antagonist in some ways. Tell me a little bit about Jinan and how you crafted his character and how you were able to try and articulate the Chinese point of view uh, through Jinan. Yes, uh, very good question. So um, Jinan, as you said, is um, one of the central characters in the, in the novel. I wanted to present a nuanced character, a complicated character. And so what I attempted to do with Jinan was to really go into his backstory and to really understand uh, where he came from. So there is a, a chapter in the book where I, I delve into Jinan's past and I go all the way back into Beijing, China and to look at the makeup of his family and how he has a wife and an infant child and how they live in an extended or with an extended family in the home and how they live a very basic life and how 
uh, he makes a decision uh, with his wife to to join a big mining conglomerate uh, company that sends him ultimately sends him uh, to Africa to Zambia to to work in the copper mines and he makes this decision in order to provide for a better life for his family and and with the goal of trying to see their little son be the first in their family to 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 get into higher education. So this is a very human story. Um, you know, it, it transcends race, uh, color, um, any ethnic background, and you really. Um, y- y- uh, I, I wanted what I wanted to achieve was empathy for that character um, to, to to present that uh, multi-layered uh, feel to to the story. You also present, you know, quite a quite a complex view of 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 Africa as a whole and Zambia particularly, and also the the kind of complicated relationships between not only Africans and Chinese but also between African governments and African populations. Um, what what are some of the some of the main points that you wanted to try and communicate about what it means to be Zambian today? Yes, so um, I, I am from Zambia, and I you know. I obviously bring a certain a certain love for my for, for my country, a certain bias. Um, but what I tried to do in the book was to present, uh, in order to 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 achieve balance, I tried to present different all the different perspectives, and and these perspectives were not only from the Zambia, China, um, uh, different nationality perspective, but I also tried to bring in. Um, the perspective of different political actors and even uh, political actors who are uh, where there are generational uh, differences, so the freedom fighter generation and how they see this scenario of, of the Chinese in Africa playing out. And then I look at the younger generation, the university-going uh, kids and what they see about the future, whether it's it's dim or, or whether it's bright and, and how they see... Um, this complex scenario playing out, and and all of these all of these um, players have have a different story to tell, and and I tried to 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 put all of that in this in this mix, and uh, I think it plays out well uh, to 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 give you that um, uh, textured story, uh, multi layered story. Support for this podcast comes from the Africa Channel Reporting Project at Wits University School of Journalism in Johannesburg. The ACRP provides reporting grants, workshops, and other professional development opportunities for both African and Chinese journalists. Follow the ACRP on Twitter at Wits China Africa or visit africachinareporting.co.za for information about grants and upcoming seminars. You know, when I was reading the book, in preparation for our discussion today, I kept thinking about how Zambia in so many ways is a flashpoint in the China-Africa relationship. It's a place where the relationship runs deeper than in many other African countries. It's one of the places that you will find Chinese chicken farmers and Chinese at the markets and Chinese who are building infrastructure and Chinese who are doing mines, very diverse Chinese population there. And accompanying that diversity is also um, a very complex relationship with Zambians. Uh, one that cannot easily be boiled down to a, a, a love or hate. It's probably every shade in between. And and now this past year, you know, in 2018, um, 
the relationship has has changed yet again. There was videos that circulated uh, last year about uh, you know Chinese men allegedly killing a Zambian young man, which turned out to be an actually inaccurate video, but it was presented that way, and it fed into these very hostile narratives that are taking shape. There's concern about the debts. There's concern about Edgar Lungu, who is becoming increasingly authoritarian, and a lot of people think that's because of his support of the Chinese. So now, as passions are starting to run high again, as they did under the administration of Michael Sada when he was the opposition leader, um, I'm wondering what the reaction is that you get from people who read your book, because you are presenting, as you talked about, a very mixed, complex, nuanced, textured portrayal of both Jinan and Hamunga, your Zambian characters. What? Tell me a little bit about the reaction that you've gotten from the people who've read the book. Uh, it, preferably if you've got pro and con reaction, would be interesting to hear. Yes, um, <clears throat> that's that's a very good summary of, of, of some of the things that are currently occurring in the discussion around Zambia and, and the China relationship. So um, some of the reactions that I've, I've, I've received from the book are, are you know, are, are quite surprising at times. And uh, I think they vary a lot from, um, you know, who, who is reading it. So uh, um, I've received from a lot of my fellow Zambians that have read the book, uh, many of them, uh, you know, identify strongly with some of the, 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 the main uh, Zambian characters in the book, such as Hamonga, and and they 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 identify quite uh, closely with his plight. Um, and then I do have uh, some some uh, readers who are more um, uh, international readers who also um, identify with with the some of the other characters uh, like Jinan and like his wife and. And and they look at um, this situation quite differently to uh, to what uh, what some of my Zambian colleagues uh, 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 do, um, but that is the the beauty of fiction, and um, the beauty of fiction is it it can uh, go and and touch places and and, and go into places where uh, straight journalism sometimes can't, um, and um, so so I'm I'm, I'm really proud of that and and I've got you know just a, a varying spectrum of, of responses uh, some some quite visceral um, some some you know quite uh, you know uh, middle of the ground um where would you like to see um, other you know fictional representations of china africa relationship where, where would you like to see it go and where what aspects of the china africa relationship would you like to see explored more in fiction uh, um yes uh, thanks Kobus. I, I think that's a good question um I, you know obviously me being a fiction writer a lover of fiction i, I recognize its power and and i think that uh, what can help us in as we discuss some of these, uh, you know, I think these bigger kind of uh, chunkier issues such as, you know, how do we um, develop this economic partnership? I think th there is need for uh, fiction to go into uh, 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 kind of uh, touching more of the relationship side of, of, 
the people relationship side of, of, of things. So I think I'd love to see fiction exploring things more like um, love relationships that that are occurring in 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 in, in Zambia and, and in Africa between between the races, for example. Um, I'd like to see fiction exploring more of the human stories uh, like where the Chinese are coming from and, and really looking at uh, their perspective on things and also looking at some of the uh, uh, some of the the, the, the less talked about um, a Zambian uh, people in the population and, and what some of um, uh, 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 some of uh, what has happened with the Chinese coming in, for example, looking at what has happened in households, for uh, for example, in the mining sector where um, a lot of jobs were lost and, and breadwinners have turned out to be uh, women in the household and, and their ascendancy in, in, in the households and what that has done in the human relationships. So I'd, I'd love fiction to talk more about that or more fiction writers to write about things such as that. I think what you're doing and what you're talking about is so desperately needed in part because the relationship oftentimes between Chinese Africans and between any divergent groups like that, this is nothing unique to the China-Africa relationship, oftentimes gets boiled down to these dehumanized caricatures it's the Chinese, the Africans, and that then goes into stereotypes and whatnot. And we see this kind of bubble up. And, and I often feel with the Chinese, in part because I'm very close to that living over here, and I see it in the United States, that people really don't always understand the human side of it. They see these Chinese people who are working seven days a week. They see them you know, doing things and living in conditions that a lot of people wouldn't, uh, wouldn't do. They see them eating foods they don't understand, speaking languages they don't understand, and, and the Chinese are not very good in that outward communication, which we've talked about numerous times on the program. And so it leads to these big misunderstandings. And so you delving into the humanity of it all, where people are coming from, why they're doing these things, uh, the motivations behind you know, their, their ambitions, I think is really, really desperately needed. And I hope that there's going to be more novelists like you who, who take on this challenge because in the nonfiction world, this gets lost. I, I mean, that's really the humanity is, is missing from so much of this debate. We rarely see it. And, and that, this is why it's such a breath of fresh air for what you're doing. And, uh, you know, and I do hope you're going to write again about this topic. Do you have any plans to, to maybe do another book that involves the China-Africa relationship in any way? So um, I do have um, some work in the pipeline. Um, um, I'm actually uh, working, editing a, um, a second novel. Um, this is a different story. It's not a, a China-Africa story, but the, but the China-Africa story and the China in Zambia story is, is one, as I mentioned before, that is very, very personal, very close to my heart. And I do see myself uh, delving back into that topic, uh, maybe in the short story form or audio uh, stories or, or, or even on, uh, on some uh, film or theater scripts. The book is A Casualty of Power, published by Weaver Press in Zimbabwe. 
Unlike the academic books that we often feature on the program, this one is actually available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the different bookshops where you go. <laughs> the, and it doesn't cost $85. So <laughs> that's great. Um, you can buy it on Amazon at the African Books Collective at Planet Books Zambia and Book World in Lusaka and Kite. It is um, really an exciting book. Uh, again, it's 2016, so it's not brand new, but it is relevant and timely for the day. We've talked on numerous occasions about the importance of Zambia in the broader China-Africa relationship and that it represents much more than just one country among 54. It represents uh, a lot of what's happening, particularly as we talk about debt and we talk about mining and, and, and the relationship that China has in Africa in, is shaped in so much by, by Zambia. And also, again... What uh, what we what Mukuka was able to do by humanizing the characters. So we're just grateful for the work that you did. We're hoping that maybe you know our discussion today can you'll see a little blip in sales as folks go back out and to to look at it. Um, you know, Mukuka, if people want to follow what you're what you're doing these days and stay in touch with you and connect with you, uh, are you on social media? Yes, yes, I am on social media. You can find me on uh, Facebook. Um, uh, Mukuka Japanta. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter uh, uh, Japa at Japanta. And uh, you can also uh, find me on my website. It's mukukajapanta.com. And that has a, a listing of, of or some of my events, uh, some of my speaking engagements, and, and uh, some of the touring that I've done to, in promoting uh, some of my work. So uh, I welcome readers to read the book. I uh, hope you enjoy it, and, uh, and please uh, write some reviews on Amazon and, and get in touch with me. That's fantastic, and thank you so much for taking the time. We actually didn't even delve into the other side of your, of, of your life, which is an African aerospace engineer in the United States, which is equally awesome. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, just, there's, that's just great all around. So we are so glad to have you on the program, and thank you so much for taking the time. First call, first guest from Maryland in the United States, so that's also very exciting as well. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you very much, Kobus. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Kobus, as we were having our discussion, I, I kept trying to think back over all these years to think, yeah, we haven't had one African novel about the China-Africa relationship. We're seeing a lot of Chinese movies coming up now. In fact, the you know Operation Red Dawn was the number one movie this year at the box office, and that was about a China-Africa military movie. Africa playing, of course, just a background. It really wasn't central to the movie. Wolf Warrior Two, which was last year's blockbuster. So the Chinese are taking fiction, at least in movies, and kind of pushing it forward. Given the importance of the China-Africa relationship in Africa, particularly in places like South Africa and Zambia and Kenya, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more fiction and creative work and art that is kind of incorporating and trying to to put shape and define this relationship in terms that are not, as we talked about, related to debt, finance, economics, military, geopolitics, and all that nonfiction stuff. Just surprising to me that we haven't seen a whole body of work over the past 10 years that's come up, given the fact that so many of these cultures are very prolific in, in this kind of writing. Um, I think we, we've seen some, we interviewed some African filmmakers who were, you know, were doing short films on some of these issues. Um, 
And there's certainly, you know, some movement in in African art, um, you know, looking at it. And we hope to we hope to have some of those artists onto the show um, soon to also discuss it. But yeah, it's it's interesting. We haven't seen we haven't seen a lot of fiction, you know, novel treatments of the relationship at all. Um, you know, in in South Africa, you see more um, more autobi- autobiography. Um, particularly about you know some some um, accounts of of uh, Chinese migration to Africa and growing up in Africa. Um, we interviewed Frida Ho at some stage, who's a you know who's a, a prominent kind of um, biographer, like autobiographer um, of her own life, um, also in in South Africa. But yeah, I think there's a massive gap um, in in novels, you know, to 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 do a, a kind of a deep reading of this relationship. I think it'd be very it's very exciting to see Makuka's work. Yeah, it is very exciting, and I, I, I'm surprised that you brought this to my attention just a couple of months ago. That back in 2016, it didn't cross my radar in, in seeing it. Me so, too. Me too. Yeah, and and I guess so. Challenge number one is actually creating the content, and challenge number two is then getting the word out so people read it. And and again, I, the question I brought up to Mukaka was this idea that humanizing the relationship and fiction can do that in ways that other mediums can't. And it's, it's being able to get into someone's head and to understand their backstory and how they think about things. And that so often is missing in the China-Africa relationship in many, many different facets of it, where people are very quick to dehumanize and stereotype and judge. Uh, and that's, you know, it was surprising to me also because from the diaspora, oftentimes there's a lot more judgment as well. I know that from being an American in uh, my own diaspora, that I'm very quick to criticize uh, the United States, as some of you may have uh, have heard on the program. And I do my best now to try and not be negative like that. But I also see that in a lot of the African diaspora. And so for him to be very, very positive, uh, to me, was really encouraging as well. And so it really challenged a, a lot of norms. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, one of the great things about fiction and also, uh, you know, storytelling and kind of autobiography, all of these different forms, they they allow us to, to deal with some of the messy emotions, the complicated, murky, not not clear kind of emotions, you know, that are frequently a mix of good and bad or positive and negative. And I think that that really, that nuance is really important. Um, you know, I think I would add to that some, also some academic work, including work by, by Mingwei Wang, um, who we have interviewed before and we hope to, to interview again. Like she, she writes a lot about, about the experiences of Chinese migrants living in South Africa um, and how they react to things like crime in South Africa. Now, she, she's not a fiction writer. She, she's, uh, I guess she would characterize that work as a form of ethnography. But at the same time, I think it also gives us this really kind of great kind of insight into how actual people live their lives, which I think is actually one of the biggest challenges of the China-Africa relationship. It's much easier to see the relationship from above as big kind of global, you know, powers moving across the landscape. It's much harder to look at it in terms of the actual experiences of individuals. And But that is, in the end, what it actually is. You know, so it's really important to try and get to that level of granularity. Well said. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of the program. Uh, listen, what did you think of this? This is uh, something new that we're trying to diversify our topics that we're doing to expand beyond just the economics, politics, military, and to start interviewing more artists on the show. Is this something you want to hear? Let us know. 
All the dots and W's will be coming up at the end of the program as to where you can reach us. Uh, social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. My email is down below in the show notes, so you can email me directly. Let me know what you think. Also, if you recognize that there's some books out there, some movies that we haven't seen that featured China-Africa-related themes or authors and painters and artists who are doing work on this subject, uh, we would love for you to share them with us. Uh, clearly, we're not seeing all the things that are happening out there. So if you can share that with us, just send us a link and say, this is a great person, or I read this book or this, this magazine article, that would be great. We're really looking to kind of find these people and bring them to you. So we'll be back again next week with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. For Kobus van Staden, I'm Eric Olander. Thank you so much for listening. The discussion continues online. Head over to facebook.com slash China Africa Project to share your thoughts on today's show. The guys are also on Twitter, where you can find Kobus at Stadinsky or Eric at E. Olander. And be sure to sign up for the weekly China and Africa email newsletter by going to www.chinaafricaproject.com.